Lights, camera, action. Hey, Kick, how's it going? Luke? How's it going? Well, I'm Jack. So, Luke's Hello, Jack. Luke's at work, so I'm another guy from the podcast. So nice. I, so I thought I'd jump in today and speak to you. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I just moved into a new place uh, in uh, down in Sydney. Oh, nice. Where are you moving from? I'm gonna work out. Is it really dark here? It's, there's not much light in this apartment. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So yeah, where uh, are you moving from? What's that? Whereabouts were you moving from? Were you from? Uh, I was down in Melbourne. Yeah, I live in Los Angeles and I got out of there. Um, it didn't didn't feel like the host of The Celebrity Apprentice was the best person to deal with the worldwide pandemic. Yeah. So I bailed on LA just on a hunch that it wouldn't go well there. And then, uh, I, th- I think your hunch has proved pretty pretty good there. So It seemed kind of uh, a bit of Nostradamus-like, uh, but probably not the best, well, not the hardest prediction to make. But um, yeah. Yeah, so I stayed in lockdown in Melbourne, which is where I was born, and then um, we just sort of finished the, the year of lockdowns and they sort of reopened the country. So drove up to Sydney and then now I'm, uh, I'm up in Sydney. That sounds so refreshing compared to what, we're, what we've got over here. It's just an absolute shame. I know. No, all my UK mates, I, I got a lot of friends from, from Edge, actually, and I did a couple of movies and a TV show all around that chunk. I, I spent a long period of time in London around that time. and yeah. It really does break my heart to see what's going on, man, because it was it was the time of my life being in that city. And, uh, yeah, it's hard to watch, man. It's really sad. Yeah, it is. And I think it, it's more of a case if we knew it was something that we were working towards and we kind of think, right, we'll chip away at it, get to this point, it's all sorted. But we're, we're worse than what we was in March last year. So, yeah. There's not really a horizon to this. Not yet. Did you get much press um, over there, Jack, that what, what we did in Australia with, you know, because we had it pretty bad and then we, we fully locked down for three or four months. So it's in the mainstream media, it's not actually reported on that much, but I've got like friends in Australia and it's a case of you'll get one case, lockdown for five days and then you're back fine yep. again, um, yep. which is like exactly how it should be. Because yeah. like that means that there's no chance of it spreading it dies yeah. out within those within that time period. Well, that's what's crazy is it, 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 our destiny is in our own hands for the first time with a with a pandemic like this because mm. you know you, you don't actually have to go and interact with anyone. We all want to. It sucked yeah. doing the lockdown, yeah. um, but there's a certain level of interaction that's required that you can actually kind of control a fair bit, you know. And mm. so, but it just I don't know why the UK got it so bad because you guys kind of locked down in the beginning, didn't you, or not? Yeah, so we locked down, well, the, the problem we did is we let Cheltenham Festival go ahead, uh, which is like the horse racing where the whole of the UK comes to Cheltenham. We live five, five, ten minutes from Cheltenham currently here. So that happened. And then when Spain was going through a really bad part as well, we let people come from Madrid for the Liverpool yeah. Atletico Madrid game. Um, so from those two events, it just kind of like fire sailed essentially. Um, and then we locked down pretty tight, but then during the summer we were like really lapsed. So it was kind of locked down, but not, if that makes sense. And everyone really thought that they'd seen the last COVID 
let's go and enjoy ourselves for the summer. And then literally come about October, the restrictions started again. And for some reason, I think people just had less, what's the word I'm looking for? They were less adhesive to the rules essentially because yeah. they thought, oh, we've done this once before, we don't need to do it again. That, that's the worry here in Australia because the first lockdown we did, we got rid of it and then it came back. And in the second mm. lockdown, it took a long time to get a handle on it because you could feel that lockdown fatigue. People were like, ah, oh, fuck 100%. this. Yeah. They just didn't want to do it. Which is I funny, think- that we're talking about Edge of Tomorrow because it, it's sort of really, the movie was very pressing and it kind of predicted, it's not the same because they're alien, it's an alien life form, but mm. in a way, that idea that you know that, that you can predict what's going to happen. It's you kind of can with COVID. Like we sit there and you, you see those festivals taking place. And if you're a smart person, you're just like, this is just going to be bad. Yeah. Yeah. And that's getting a lot of press coverage over here where the festivals in Australia and New Zealand are happening. And we're all like kind of sat in our little grief holes, watching everyone go and have fun at the other side of the world. Yeah. And it's like, oh, isn't this amazing? Isn't this great? And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'd be doing. But I, I've been on furlough since, I think about November. Um, so I haven't worked since November, which we've just been sat here. Um, yeah, it's such a wild moment in the world for that reason, isn't it? Like I was talking to some, I went out with some actresses last night up here in Sydney and they're only about 25. Mm-hmm. And I was saying to them, God, I remember being 25. And the only like dilemma you had was, am I going to be good enough to get work? Like, am yeah. I going to be able to cut it? Like, or, or lucky enough or whatever, but there was work there and you had to go and get it and chase it and whatever. But they were just suddenly at the beginning of last year, it was just like, yeah, there's no work. There's no industry, yeah. everything, everyone go home. And it was a whole generation of people who suddenly went, oh shit, like what, what if I can't work? What do I do? Yeah, it's funny because my, my girlfriend, she's um, just come out of uni doing drama, creative writing and editing and lighting and things like that. And she's trying to find, desperately trying to find something in the field and there's just nothing there because yeah. I'm lucky. I work in, I work for a beer company, I work for Budweiser. Um, so when everything reopens, it will just kind of kickstart again. Fingers yeah. crossed. But yeah. the first thing people are going to want to do is have a beer with their mates. Correct, um, yeah. And well, yeah, and I, or they're probably sinking more piss in lockdown than they are at the pub anyway. Like Exactly that, yeah. So sales went through the roof in Melbourne during the lockdown because everyone was just like, well, we're getting on the beers and the wine every night. I th- yeah, that was the thing as well. Like, I was, during um, lockdown one, when it was summer for us, it was kind of like, it was fun in the sense that I could sit in the garden and have a beer on a weeknight and just be like, oh, it's just not too yeah. bad. <laughs> Whereas when it gets dark at like half three, four o'clock and yeah. it's freezing cold outside, like it was snowing yesterday. It's yeah. just not, hasn't got the same ring to it. Do you know what I mean? No, no it doesn't. It does not. <laughs> but yeah, right, well, if it's okay with you, I'll get on to the questions of Edge because yeah, man. What, what we wanted to do is kind of go through all of our favourite films as like a genre. And right. What better to do than talk to someone that actually was in it? So if we get yeah. go ahead with those questions there. So it's... And are you going gonna to use it, Jack? Are you going to use the, the video or just the voice? Um, I was going to use the video as well, if that's okay with you. Yeah, is, yeah, whatever you want. Is that right with you, yeah? Fab, that's yeah. great. Because um, I think the first question, like, we look at Edge of Tomorrow, and is it difficult trying to act in situations where they add CGI into afterwards? Do you have to kind of, like, are you told what to do? Um, and then how do you, like, adapt to it? There, there, there really um, wasn't that much CGI that we had to interact with, um, okay. quite honestly. Um, 
they, they built a, a, a massive set out at Leavesden um, in London. I mean, you wouldn't have even believed it. I, I could not believe it. We used to rock up there every day. I mean, it must have been 100 acres. It was massive, like, like bigger than football fields. Massive, massive, massive. And they had, they had wires going from one side of it to the other with um, explosions and fireworks going off. And they had these huge sand explosions under the ground. And they were setting people on fire, all the stuntmen who were just unbelievable. I mean, you'd be it sitting sounds like there. a playground. It was it, it, honestly, it was like being a little kid again. And, and <laughs> so many times on that on that um, set, you would see the the just the brilliance of of the energy of Tom Cruise because he was the most excited of anyone. Like he would just be grinning from ear to ear. I mean, he's seen it all, done it all a million times, but it, it really did out on that set. It felt like it was his first day. He'd, he'd be like. You know, Gee, look at this, watch this. <laughs> and he'd see this guy on firewall pass and he'd just be like, how good is this? <laughs> and um, so there was a little bit of stuff um, that we would do where they would just sort of point in the direction of like, oh, there's an alien coming towards you, um, you know, here and you're getting shot. But it was all very heightened. So it was mm -hmm. never, we were never sort of having a conversation with someone that wasn't there for ages or anything like that. So, yeah, the CGI stuff wasn't... Um, wasn't too crazy on that. It was all all pretty practical, and the suits we were wearing were all legit. We were carrying them, and yeah. So we, we heard about the suits, and they didn't they weigh like six stone, and you have to yeah, wear them the, every um, day. Tom, the, the, apparently, when he was um, practicing in them, they said we need them to weigh um, forty pounds, and the, whoever made them got confused, or whatever, and they made them forty kilos. <laughs> So they ended up being close to about 100 pounds instead of 40. And it, but it was actually the best thing that could have happened. It, it, being a part of this film was really interesting because, you, you know, in the early part of my career, and I've been in some movies that haven't worked, or I've been in a lot of movies that haven't worked, you, you, it's, you wonder why movies work and why they don't. And you can't really learn why when you're on, in the ones that don't work. But being a part of Edge, it just showed me that these kind of serendipitous moments that make a film become really iconic like it has because that seemed like it was a huge mistake when we first got in the suits i mean some of the i mean you know some of the people were crying they just couldn't you know you couldn't do anything in them and tom was sort of angry because he wanted to do all this acrobatic stuff and he really couldn't you were really weighed down you couldn't move but the fact that that happened it actually created tom's performance i think um, or elevated it so massively because he, he had this frustration and he was stuck in this suit and you couldn't do what you wanted to do, which was sort of the, the idea of the movie is that he kept yeah. that frustration of getting killed over and over. And we all sort of shared that. So it, it was sort of a really good mistake in the end. And it really meant that we were all really grounded and it didn't get sort of over the top and theatricals, sort of like those, like the Iron Man suit where you're flying around and, yeah. you know, it, it, it sort of gave it a, um, almost like a World War II feel, you know, even yeah, though it was futuristic. Because that's exactly how it came across. It came across as a proper, you've built this like exoskeleton that can defeat these aliens, but it's not going to enhance you in some ways or hold you back. But it's how you learn to yeah. adapt with the suit. And that's exactly how it came off. And it's really interesting to hear that because yeah, it seems like yeah. It was that wasn't really deliberate. I don't believe that was deliberate in any way. Um, it, it, because in the book, they have these exoskeletons, you know, that I think they're called jackets in the book. And so yeah. they're, they're, they're much more about sort of, you should put your jacket on and 
mm. and and off you go. But uh, but yeah, this this gave it an edge, <laughs> an edge. Um, <laughs> and uh, I still think of the movie as all you need is kill, though, which is what was called when we made it. Yeah, it called I all think, you need is kill. Yeah, I think that was probably one of the best parts of the film, just seeing all the action sequences coming together as one. Yeah. I mean, did you train much for the action sequences? Did you think, did you do any on your own? Did you have like a, a film trainer or anything like that? Yeah, we did. We had this great guy, Martin, who was an amazing physical trainer. We worked with him for about, about five or six weeks. We got over there and, um, and then Tom um, is just so, um, so diligent about, you know, his physical preparation for a thing. And he was really generous with us. He, he came in on the first day and just said to us, everything that I get, you guys are going to get. I mean, he's really big on like the community of all working together. And so, you know, we had all this crazy equipment and ice baths and um, <laughs> all this funny stuff that, awesome. you know, we were sort of used to just having a couple of beers at the end of the day, but suddenly we were doing warm downs and had a massage therapist there. And, uh, but yeah, we did, we did a bunch of stuff with some military guys. It was all a little bit um, counterproductive in a way because those battle scenes that we're in are so chaotic because most of the time until that final sequence and even in the final sequence, we're, we're meant to be sort of an ad hoc, just a, a sort of urban militia that aren't really that trained, you know, it's, yeah. it's the, the final battle for humanity. And uh, so we sort of practiced a few, we had a military guy there, Pat, and he was helping us, but we, we all sort of, our instinct was let's not go too far down this road because we kind of want to look, sort of inefficient in a way. Yeah. Kind of like learn on the job kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like it's our first day in a way in the movie. We wanted, we wanted that first battle to almost feel like we don't, we don't know what the hell we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it came across kind of a bit of both in the sense that you had this like massive army which had this like cohesion together as well. And then you, what, what did you think of the enemy? Like when you read, if you read the books or if you were told about it, what did you think of them? Because like with, with aliens, you either sink or swim when you design one, don't you? It's kind of, they either look amazing or they look laughable. Whereas well, they, they, they definitely nailed funny, it here. It's funny you asked that, Jack, because they, they hadn't actually designed them when we shot the movie. <laughs> and that was, that's that really big unknown, as you say, that you, we were sitting there going, this movie feels really cool. But if they, if they, you know, Jack, if, if they stuff up the aliens, we're going to look so goofy. Um, <laughs> like something the Hedgehog or something like that, chasing after yeah, It's a completely exactly. different film. Yeah, and if you get it wrong, people just switch off. They're just like, nah, that's stupid. So, um, and I, I do remember a lot, a lot of the conversations. Um, we had a bunch of writers on the movie who, who all, um, you know, did all these different incarnations of the script. And the one thing that no one could ever really lock down um, was who these aliens were, what they wanted. And there was a bunch of drafts trying to nail that down about what, what the aliens wanted, da, da, da. And, um, and I remember actually once Chris McQuarrie came on board, once we were shooting, and he and I were sitting there eating lunch one day in the, in the uh, cafeteria, and we were talking about that very thing. He wasn't, I don't think he was writing on it yet. I think he'd just come over to to premiere Jack Reacher, I think, with Tom. Yeah. And then he ended up staying and working, working through the rest of the movie, I think. But he um, he was writing a bit and we were just, just he and I used to talk about it a lot. And I, Cause I love every aspect of 
filmmaking. So I, I end up being that annoying person that just pesters anyone involved. And yeah. So I'm sure Chris used to wake <laughs> up in, in his breakfast in the cafeteria and be like, oh, here comes Kit. But um, we were chatting away about that very question about what these aliens were, who they were. And he was sort of talking about all these different ideas that the scripts had had. And then he and I started talking about this idea that when someone tells you, a, a loved one tells you they've got cancer, Mm-hmm. You don't actually ask them to explain what the cancer is. You, you don't, you don't, yeah. your, your question isn't, oh, well, you know, what is it? What is it doing? How did you get it? Where did it come from? What is it trying to do to your body? You just yeah. actually say, oh, no, that sucks. And yeah. what are you going to do to get rid of it? And mm-hmm. that was sort of where we ended up on the movie a little bit, which is really cool, was almost like they were a cancer mm-hmm. on, into the planet. And you didn't need, the audience didn't need to know what they were doing there. You didn't need to know what they wanted, what they were after. You just needed to know that they were going to take everything yeah. and you had to find a way to beat it. Um, and so, yeah, there was definitely some trepidation in answer to your question about like, oh shit, are these aliens going to look cool? And then, um, but we had an awesome um, visual effects artist um, who used to show us sort of renderings of what they might look like and whatnot. And I felt pretty safe. Um, in his hands, Nick, he was, he was unreal. He was really, he, he was, he'd just done something really massive that was really, you could IMDB it, mm-hmm. uh, Nick Davis. He'd just done something that was, I can't remember what it is. I'd be, I'd be pulling straws, but he'd done something massive that was really brilliant. So we all kind of went, oh, this is going to be cool. And he was yeah. one of Chris Holland's movies. I guess it's one of those where you can think, right, well, let him do his thing because safe hands, it's going to yeah. look amazing. I'll focus on me kind of thing. Yeah. And that's exactly how it turned out. So yeah. happy, happy days on that. Yeah. Um, so we spoke about the action scenes, like the training that went into it and things like that. But for each individual action, action scene that you did here, how much prep went into it? With like how much learning of the sequences and where um, you had to be and that kind of thing? So I guess you'd break it up in... It's funny with the action sequences because... Um, we shot all the stuff of Tom landing on the beach and with us in one chunk, which went for about six weeks. So we were sort of rehearsing sequences. Like we'd be in that pit where, where um, we all land and we all get killed, but we'd shoot that for five days. And then we'd shoot the bit where we actually don't die and the bit where Tom goes bananas and kills all the aliens. So we didn't, we didn't sort of, we we would from day to day, we'd, we'd do a scene that was, the worst version of it where we're hopeless and then one where Tom saves the day and then one where, you know, he doesn't even notice us and keeps going. So um, it, it was, it was very much patchwork for those action scenes. Um, and, and it was a bit, bit the same that, uh, that t- with Tom, with the action stuff, you just felt like you were in such safe hands and there was just so much stuff, but, but also it's funny being an actor on these movies because it all kind of happens without you really noticing. And then suddenly you arrive, like we were out at that, that, that um, back lot shooting the action scenes for about six weeks. Mm-hmm. Then we went into the studio for about four months and they said, oh, we're shooting the, some of the Paris stuff out in the back lot. And we went back out to the back lot and they had built, I mean, God knows how big it was, but a giant like two foot deep water tank yeah. Um, for us to shoot those scenes at the end when we crash land in Paris, massive, just with green screen all around it and two feet of water. And there was a scene where, I don't know if it's in the movie in the end, but was, <laughs> we arrived on set one night, Tom like fell into the water and then a, ho- a thoroughbred horse like ran through. Is that in the movie? I don't think it is. Like a horse ran past Tom. 
And we were just like, what is this? So a lot of, <laughs> That's in mayhem. Yeah, a lot of the action scenes aren't really in the script. You would just, there would be a, a, a sort of a, a, a one line about it. And then Tom and Doug and, and um, the stunt guys would come up with this elaborate scene and we would just kind of do what we were told essentially. And that was part of the excitement of it. Mm. Um, and it's, like, it's almost like the unknown, isn't it? It's kind of like, we're going to try our best to just do as many cool things as possible. And just yeah, friends, straight into moving. friends and I, um, friends, uh, Drame, who's one of the other actors on it, he, who's just awesome. And he and I we're really close buddies still now. He was 18 or 19 at the time. And he and I looked at each other um, on, on about the third day of rehearsals and they were asking us to do all this crazy stuff. And we sort of looked at each other and we were like, let's just make a rule that we'll say yes to whatever they ask us to do. <laughs> like if Tom says, let's hang out of a plane, we're just like, yup. Yeah. And so we really, we really embraced that philosophy, friends and I through the whole Thing. And then ironically, about three months after we finished, Tom shot that scene in Mission Impossible where he really did hang out yeah. of a plane. <laughs> and I think that was the analogy, friends, and I used as like the sort of craziest thing that anyone would ever ask. You know, it was like, if you yeah. ask us to hang out of a plane, we'll say yes. And then he went and did it. We were like, Maybe he got the idea from you. Maybe he heard, overheard yeah. you saying it and you influenced him there. Yeah. So we've spoken about Tom a lot there. So what's it like to work with Tom Cruise? What's what does he do on set that's different to other other stars? I yeah, it's honestly like nothing. Cool. It's like nothing you could ever be prepared for, and it's like nothing you ever see ever again. He he just truly is the most singular um, figure, and I, and I do think it's a bit like he he kind of views it like an athlete, and I think it's you, you, I'm obsessed with sport, and you hear about the work ethic of these guys who, you know the guys who do it on the biggest stage, it's not an accident. You know, like I remember Johnny Wilkinson, that, that, that English rugby player who yeah. just had that, that reputation of always getting it done. And he did it against Australia in the World Cup final. It all came down, penalty, bang, kicks it through and they win. And everyone's like, oh, he did it again. But apparently he used to sit there and, and just prepare. Like at the end of training, he'd kick a hundred balls when everyone yeah. else had gone. And that's what Tom's like. He just, he's so prepared and so committed like it's almost as if there's nothing else in his orbit other than that like he doesn't want to he never says to you like oh we should go back to the hotel and you know go muck around or go you know drink beers or do anything he just he's like hey kick let's go to a stunt rehearsal and so you have to be ready like on we, we rehearsed for five weeks and then he and emily shot something in the first week and we were sort of just waiting around on set training and doing stuff and on the Monday was my first scene with Tom and he was leaving the set on the Friday and he just, as he was getting his car, he just pointed at me and he was like, kick. And I looked up and I was like, yo. And he was like, you better be ready, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking coming for you. And you're sort of like, is he serious or is he joking right now? Because he, he says it in a serious tone, but it's all fun. But you really do spend the whole weekend getting ready because you're just like, well, I'm, I'm going to need to be ready when Tom comes. So um, if, he, if he says something, but, you do it. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and so he, he, he kind of drags everyone within. He has that, he has this mindset that is, you know, we're going to go all the way and he takes everyone with him. And actually the best way of summing up what it's like is that all the boys that are in the camera department who are always awesome. They're all West Ham fans. And um, they, mm. uh, they, yeah, yeah all, all, <laughs> The, 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 um, they're all West Ham fans and they, um, 
they he Tom used to ride them pretty hard. Like he he he, you know, I'm sure you heard that audio recently where he was yelling at the guys with COVID. Yeah. About COVID. But he he drives a, a tough ship, Tom, and, and you have to be ready for it. And and I thought they weren't enjoying it. I used to look at the camera guys and he used to, you know, if if they if they if the steady cam guy, you know, got something wrong, then Tom was really like, he's like, come on, guys. You know, and and I I wondered all the way through. You know, are they enjoying this? Because because we were loving it as actors. Because actors are kind of a little nutty, and and we have a year off and then do a movie. So you're that excited to be there. But yeah. you know, crews, it's more of a nine to five job. You know, they go from movie to movie to movie, and you wonder if maybe they're sort of like these guys are taking it a little seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wondered about that. But, but I did a movie straight after that called Jupiter Ascending at the same yeah. studio, and it was the same camera department. And we were shooting one day, and I said to the boys, you know. It's a little more relaxed, you know, on this one, isn't it? And um, and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were laughing. And then they all said, mate, best experience of our entire careers. And they were 35 years into their careers. And they were like, wow. best experience we've ever had, Amazing. mate. And, and, and I was like, he rode you guys pretty hard. And they were like, yeah, but only when he was, only when we mucked up. Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and they said, the truth is, after 30 years of doing anything, you do get slightly complacent. And you're not pushing it like it's your first day. Yeah. And, and they said, we, by the end of that movie, we loved it so much and would have signed up to work with him on anything because it just, that energy of and that pursuit of excellence. Yeah. Um, and they loved it and we loved it. And then you realise that's the reason he's in 20 of the best movies ever and he has the best record of any movie star because he just, he has that pursuit of excellence that's just relentless. Mm. So like, professionally, it seems like... It's just an excellent man manager, someone you want on your team, obviously. Yeah. As, as, a, as a person, does he ever kind of wind down? Does he, do you talk to him like in the evenings or anything like that? Is he a different person then? Um, he's a, I wouldn't say he's different. He's always, always pretty intense and, and, and committed. Just, he really is. And look, I'm a bit the same, obviously in a very different way because he's the biggest movie star in the world, <laughs> but it, he just has like a, a childlike love of cinema. And, and that's what I just absolutely loved. And I told him very, very early on in the movie, I said, you know, Tom, this is the coolest thing I've ever done because I, I, used, to, I used to watch movies like E.T. and Raiders of the Lost Ark and all these, all these movies as a kid and just think, oh, man, I want to be a part of that world. Like, I love that yeah. fantasy world of movies. And, and Tom just, he just said, he said, I've never lost that kick. I just, I'm still that, that five-year-old in the movie theatre and he said, I always think about, I just want to give the audience that experience that I had. Um, yeah. And and so, you know, the, the, the wine and stuff, um, you know, we, we, he would come out and meet us. You know, I, I remember Emily had a birthday dinner and Tom came and met us there. And there's about 10 of us having dinner at a restaurant. And I mean, it's hard for him because he came to the restaurant and then, you know, after half an hour, there's a, a crowd of people at the window and the, everyone in the restaurant sort of yeah. stopped eating their meals. They're just staring. <laughs> so it's hard for him, but he definitely, he definitely gets in and, and you know, mixes it up with all of that. But I, I did get a sense a little bit that he sort of wanted to do more of that, but probably mm-hmm. can't a little bit. Um, but yeah. he certainly is living the life that, that he wants to. Like he just yeah. absolutely loves. It, it was just really refreshing to meet someone who, who, who wasn't just no ounce of, he's just not jaded at all about the business that he's in. He just knows that tomorrow will be another day on set and it'll be fun and you'll create all this movie magic and he just loves it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I could, I could wax lyrical about working with Tom forever. Cause it was, it was just, 
I still to to this day, seven years later, I just it was just so much fun every yeah. single day. But he's also like he he's kind of got a weird gift on. Like we were shooting a scene up in that drop ship. We were all hanging and we're about to go down. There's no fires. There's no explosions. We're just shooting this thing. And it's a close-up on Tom. And he's, he's yelling, they know we're coming, man. <laughs> we're all just sitting there calmly around him like, what is he going on about? And we did about 15 or 20 takes. And they're getting it, moving the camera around, blah, blah, blah. And suddenly it's, getting, it's pretty tiring that we're hanging in the suits. We're right up in the rafters of the, um, of the studio in this drop ship. And suddenly Tom says to Wade, the, the stunt coordinator, he's like, Wade, can you, uh, can you run the guys through the fire protocol? And we're all like, come on, Tom. Because he's so enthusiastic. <laughs> he loves like anything. And we're like, come on, we don't want to do a fire protocol. And he's like, guys, you've got to know the fire protocol. And he's like, guys, walk through it. So the stunt guys all have to come in. They're like, listen, guys, in the unlikely event of a fire, there's no, there's no explosion. So and we're, everyone's rolling their eyes, but they're like, if it happens, we're not going to get you out of the suits because it takes too long to get you out with all the wires and everything. We're actually just going to open the bottom of the drop ship and we're going to drop you guys out on the, on the wires and we'll get you out down the bottom and then we'll take you out. And we're like, thanks, guys. We, we're all just like, yeah, yeah, thanks, Tom. The very <laughs> next take, we're shooting it and Tom's there and he's, and he's like, they know we're coming, man. And we're all sitting there kind of keeping calm. Suddenly we look up in the corner and there's smoke building no way. the drop ship and suddenly big flying breaks out and suddenly they're just like fire protocol and then boom they open the drop ship and they drop us all out and we're just like oh and get us out and we run out of the studio fire wow. engine and honestly mate i i just I, I was just searching for time and i went up to him and i was just like mate what have you lived this life before? Yeah, like, maybe it, like the film's rubbing off on him here. He, he's yeah. done this day before. There was, there was nothing. And I'm pretty, you know, we were all pretty observant actors on this movie because, you know, we were just, everyone was there. You know, we didn't have a lot, that much to do. So we, it wasn't like we were just blase. We were all looking out for danger and we were hanging from the roof. There was no yeah. threat of a fire, none. And suddenly there was a fire. And I, and I just, I kept saying to him, I was like, Tom, Tom, just, just tell me the secret. You, you've lived this life before, haven't you? You, you've, this is the second time round. You just, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Or every day was just a wild adventure. It's great. Yeah. I think we touched upon it before, where you said that, like, bread is the lost dark ET. That's really what kind of your passions were as a kid. So obviously, you've done a lot in the sci-fi genre with like Jupiter, Jupiter Ascending, Edge. Is, so that is something that you've always thought, right, that is the genre that I want. That is the one for me. That's what I want to get into. What's funny, uh, uh, you know, when you're sort of, I mean, I don't mean to sound ungrateful, but when you're an actor that has to fight for roles, it's funny mm -hmm. when you're in something big, everyone says, oh, what attracted you to this? And the truth is <laughs> you auditioned and they said you can do it and you went, <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like I went looking for Edge of Tomorrow and sort of they were, they were, they, you know, I said, I'd like to do this. And they were like, oh, thank you so much. But, <laughs> but there is a consistency after you've worked for a while that you, you sort of end up in the things that you want to be in the most in a strange way. So you obviously try a bit harder, maybe in some subconscious way. Um, and, and for me, it was definitely about, about that idea of, uh, you know, I've worked, I've worked with the Wachowskis a bunch and did Speed Racer with them and, and I remember thinking on that set, this is the this is the kind of movie I always dreamed of being in. Just mm -hmm. a totally fantastical, um, 
I, I, I never watched like Schindler's List, you know, mm. I, I used to watch those movies and, and sort of marvel at how emotionally captivating they were, but I mm. never yearned. I wasn't one of those actors that yearned to play Hamlet. Yeah. You no, know? I really did yearn. And I remember leaving Australia in the year 2000 after I'd done a movie here that was successful here. And I, I sort of had a choice of, you know, where do you want to go now? And I remember thinking to myself, I saw Mission Impossible and I remember thinking to myself, that's the movie I want to be in. Mm. And, and I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Los Angeles because that's where, that's where the sort of doorway is to those sort of films like Mission Impossible. So it was yeah. funny that it ended up with Edge tomorrow. It was quite a, it was quite a serendipitous thing. Yeah. Uh, so with obviously moving to LA and as an Aussie, is it refreshing to be able to use your own accent in a movie and not have to yeah, shift it up a little bit? Is, it was. Is it it was actually, like that was actually Doug's choice. Um, I think from memory, the first audition I did was in an American accent. And then, then they, then they got me, uh, everybody sort of read for Tony Way's character, Kimmel, or that was mm -hmm. sort of where all the scenes were. So I did that in American accent. And then they said, we'd like you to read for this other character who was actually a Japanese character on the page called Yonaburu, who, mm. who was a really amazing role. And when we actually arrived in um, London to shoot the movie, I'm pretty sure um, Ken Watanabe was going to play that role because Tom had worked with him on Last Samurai. Mm. Um, and I think he was going to do it, Yonaburu. And then suddenly they did a rewrite of the script and there was no Yonaburu anymore. <laughs> um, and so that was gone, but but that was I, I auditioned for that character in an American accent. They said, "Look, it's written as a, a Japanese sort of assassin, um, but just just read that as an American." Did that, and then met Doug um, on on Zoom or, or whatever it was back then, Skype, and mm -hmm. then um, and then flew to London, got the role, flew to London, and then in the rehearsals was sort of talking to Doug, and he came to me and said, "Hey, how do you feel about doing it in your Aussie accent?" He said, "We really want, kind of want to give this a." all world feel that that's the whole world kind of battling and and there's no it's not like a u.s army or a yeah. british army it's it's the united defense Force. so and i was I, I was so thrilled at that i loved it um yeah i loved doing the aussie accent awesome so you kind of speak about going to london was it all filmed in london or did you travel across any other parts of the world to film it at all, or all, it all, all london all all london um i think we did some reshoots back in LA um, once once Tom was back there, um, but but not many. I mean, we, we, were, we were, that was really just mostly Tom. He just thinks of he watches the movie, thinks of a cool like scene to put in, and then he goes and shoots it in LA, and yeah. he just keeps going until the movie comes out. But I think I think there was one location shoot. They might have gone to Paris for a day. I have, a, I have a weird memory of that, but, but we didn't go. And, and um, yeah, we were just in London. We, we arrived, I arrived at the Langham Hotel and left from the Langham Hotel about eight months later. And it was the greatest <laughs> eight months I've ever had in my whole life. What, what's your favourite part about London? What, what did it for you? Um, you? London really at that time, I actually um, was in London for, for a period of time in the sort of mid 2000s, around 2003, four, five. One of my best friends, an actress, um, she moved there and was working there a bunch. And I used to go visit her um, 
at that time and, and I had a girlfriend there for a while and, and I used to think this city would be the greatest city in the world if you were, if you had a little bit of money, like if you just, if you yeah. didn't have to worry about money because it is expensive, yeah. I was like, it's the greatest city in the world. And then when I was there doing the movie, obviously when you're there um, shooting, you know, you, you're eating all your meals on set and they put you up in a hotel. So you're not sort of worried about, you know, the rent and all those things. Yeah. And it honestly, I just, that London to me was like a magic box. And also that film just had so many amazing elements like Bill Paxton, you know, we haven't even talked about yet, but yeah. he was, he was everybody's favorite by a significant margin. And from the very first day, I've still got the note. We, 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 we all met out at the studio. And then when I got back to the hotel, there was a note under my door um, saying, want to grab dinner, Bill, and it had his room number. And I rang him up and, I, and, and I'd never met him before. Um, and, and I said, yeah, and we were just thick as thieves for the, he just, every night, he just, let's, hey buddy, let's go get dinner in town. Let's go to Soho. <laughs> Bill, had the, Bill had the greatest, uh, he just, the best storyteller and the best thirst for adventure and new things. And he'd suddenly say, you know, we've got to go to this Charles Dickens gallery. And suddenly we'd go off to a Charles Dickens gallery and, and um, it, was, it really was like this adventure magic box where you, I just sort of think this would be fun and then it would happen. And yeah. we were right on the doorstep of Soho and it really felt, it was right before Brexit and um, it really felt like London was the centre of the world. The, the, yeah. It's really like a lot of Hollywood had come there. You know, it's always had that big footprint in music and yeah. literature and it was the end of Harry Potter. It was like, it was just this groundswell of creative spirit in London that felt really exciting to, to be sitting in it. Yeah. Um, and, and just the, the people, everyone's, everyone sort of loves being in London for some reason, you know, when you're there, it feels festive. It, yeah, exactly that. I think from the times that I've spent there, it's kind of, everyone moves to London to be in London. And when yeah. they're in London, and they're happy that to be there. So yeah, they it's, really it's are. It's really weird vibe. Like, yeah, I um, agree. It's like they, snowing. It's yeah. snowing and it's cold and it's dark at 3.15 and because like, yeah. we, we were there through the winter, but you just love it. I mean, I remember yeah. walking out of a, of a restaurant with Bill one night and it, we, when we walked in, it wasn't snowing and we walked out and it was dumping snow in London. I think we were in Carnaby Street and it was, mm. you know, cobblestone. Um, it was just unbelievable. It just felt timeless. It felt, yeah. it felt timeless. It's like postcard settings there already. Yeah. You see yeah. Expect on a postcard. So... Did it take much like adapting to from like, so the heat in Australia, like how warm it is, things like that, to, to be in the UK? Because it's it's not so much like I've got to adapt to the elements, but mentally you've got to adapt that there's so much less sunlight and it's you can't do as much. You know, I struggled with that. Um, I didn't struggle with that on Edge of Tomorrow for some reason. I used to argue with Doug because because there's a scene in the movie where I, right before I die at the, at the, at the end of the movie, where, where me and Jonas blow ourselves up where I'm injured and I fall in the water. Yeah. And that was that that was that was set in Paris where they filled it two feet deep and they had to put antifreeze in the water so that it wouldn't freeze over and become ice. That's how cold it was. And I said to Doug, you know, hey, Doug, how are we going to shoot these scenes where I fall in the water? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, how are we going to shoot them? Because I can't fall in this water. It's, it's below freezing. And, and he was like, no, you're just going to fall in the water and we're going to shoot them. And I was like, oh. <laughs> anyway, so I had to do that. I had to fall into the water and then, and then come out. Like, it was so cold. And, and Doug, when I was telling the story a while later, Doug kept saying to me, I've watched the dailies. You never went into the water. 
And I was like, yes, what do you mean? And he's like, you, you never actually went right into the water. You were above it. And I was, I used to have these arguments with him. I was like, Doug, it was below freezing. You, you've got to give me this. You've got to give me this. You can't tell the story that I didn't go to the water. And so then he once sent me a still, which was my face submerged in the water once he was <laughs> editing the movie. And he was like, fair enough. You, okay, you, you. you did go into the water. But <laughs> yeah, so I think it was that, that level of excitement about everything that we shot meant that I never really felt the cold. Uh, but one thing that was a really big bonus for that was that the exosuits were so cumbersome and heavy. And, and most, of, well, in fact, most of the, the stuff that we shot as a, as a group, J-Squad, were either in the exosuits, in the battles, or it was in that the barracks. Mm. And for some reason, the barracks was the hottest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. And, yeah. and on the first day, it was basically un, unlivable. And we were trying yeah. to shoot and pouring sweat. Tom was pouring sweat. And, and it was the middle of winter in London. It was very strange, but they were just so hot. And then we came in the next day and... <laughs> You know, when you've got mates who have an apartment with no air conditioning and yeah. then one of them like wins a hundred bucks at the track and they just buy one of those homemade things with a big tube. Yeah. It, yeah. it was like that, but someone had actually probably spent a million dollars on it. Like the studio yeah. was just, you'd walk past the door and there were just these huge vats with these big tubes coming in and blowing air in. And, um, and then that's how we shot in there. So yeah, we were never actually, I don't remember being cold. Um, even when I had to jump, jump, fall in that water, I mean, it was it was very cold, the water, but uh, it was so much adrenaline going all the time. And, yeah, so the cold wasn't an issue. Good. So working with, like, Emily Blunt in this as well. So obviously her character, she is the kind of the knight of the film. She, oh, yeah. like, is the can-do person in all of this. So what, what was it like working with Emily Blunt in this? Um, it was really, it was really amazing. She's, she's um, one of the most, uh, um, what's the word? She's, she's one of the brightest lights um, that I've, I've ever come across and, and it's immediate and, and um, sort of um, uh, very powerful. She's just, there's something about her that's otherworldly, Emily, and just one of the, one of the nicest, Bill Paxton always used to say, he's like, she's England's rose. <laughs> and, um, and, um, cause she just really is, uh, and, but, but more than that in real life, when you, when you watch the movie and we saw her training and, um, and, and I saw her really go through that and, and, and shared a really cool experience with her on, on that movie because really watching her shoulder the burden of, of a really physical, role um, in those heavy suits and she you know like I said we all kind of embraced the idea that we were shit like that we were like it was our first day and we were rubbish yeah. and Tom had the the luxury a little bit of you know half the movie he's shit and rubbish mm. but he's got to then be good Emily didn't have that luxury Emily had to be you know the best and yeah, as she didn't have the luxury of sort of like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty shit at this. She actually had to be proficient from the get-go. Mm -hmm. And see her commitment to that was really inspiring. I mean, she from day one was working out harder than anybody, longer than anybody, doing all the training that Tom was doing, all the stunt stuff with him and all the wire work. And um, she was, yeah, it was, it was pretty exciting to watch her um, craft that performance. I, I actually think it's one of the great performances certainly in an action movie, but yeah. the, the heart that she brings to it, I mean, you just, you, you really do fall in love with her 
mm. when you watch the movie, just the way, um, yeah. you know, Cage does throughout the movie. So it, it, that, that she really elevates it to a whole new level, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. It kind of brings that different dimension to it, doesn't it? And it's yeah, it's great. To, it's great as a viewer to watch that. Yeah, but, no doubt. So going just going back to the film. So, what was your favorite part of it? What was your favorite part of the movie to make? If it's a story from like, behind the scenes or something on screen, what was your kind of favorite thing? Um, well, as I'm sure you can tell from this conversation, the fact my favorite part of the movie was the fact that Tom Cruise was in it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was just just from the get go. It's just it's just exciting. I mean, every actor I've worked with since, every friend of mine that's involved in the movies, I'm just like, mate, if you get the chance to just work with this guy, <laughs> you sell your grandma for loose change yeah. to get the chance to do it. Because I'm telling you, it'll be the greatest thing you'll ever do. He just so certainly that is the yeah. is the, um the 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 number one and um and and also obviously the chance to um to develop that friendship with Bill Paxton. But in terms of the actual filming of it, um, what would I say was the best? I think it was probably, um, we were already kind of touched on it. It was really just that when we're out on that set and there were people on fire and there were explosions going off. And um, there was one thing, I, 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 I've told this story before, but we, we were shooting, there's a scene in the movie where the alien picked me up. It's not in the movie, but it picked me up and ran me into the sand, like yeah. feet first, went bang. And I was, I was in the sand with my head out of the sand and my hand out of the sand, sort of buried, you know, like across there. And I don't know if you've ever been buried, but you sort of think you've been buried because someone put sand on your leg at the beach or something. But when they put me in there and they filled in the sand, it's very disconcerting like yeah. you cannot move and I was in the suit in the sand and I suddenly started to get a bit nervous and um and Tom actually could see that I was really nervous about this and he came over and sat next to me and um and he was like um he suddenly goes it kicked you like karaoke and I was, <laughs> sort of, I was a bit distracted I was in the sand I looked up and there's Tom Cruise sitting there I was like this is all so, so, <laughs> so weird and bizarre what's going on. And I said, um, I said, yeah, 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 I like karaoke. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, what's your uh, karaoke song? And I was like, um, I like, um, I, I, I usually do Bon Jovi, um, Living on a Prayer. And he goes, oh, yeah. He's like, what about Dead or Alive? And I was like, yeah, Dead or Alive's cool. And suddenly Tom just, He's wearing his suit, sitting on this little stool next to me. The crew's all sitting out the shot. There's 200 people feeling, milling around, doing their thing around the back lot. It's night, it's dark, it's crazy. And suddenly Tom, at full throttle voice, sings the whole of Dead or Alive to me while I'm just buried in the sand, just sort of look, <laughs> looking up at him strangely. And he just built like just, it's all the same. Just full, full throttle, every, giving it everything like it's a karaoke bar. And sings off thing, and then and then uh, and then uh, we sung another song um, straight after together. He was like, "Come on, it's like, let's sing." And he does it. He did it just so that I would be distracted from how nervous I was, you know, being buried up to my neck. Amazing. And, um, and that was so, the most yeah. surreal experience ever. Like once yeah. you hear that song now, you must think, oh, oh, yeah. "It's a whole different meaning to me now." Yeah. Oh, man, it's unbelievable. It's all the same. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's probably, that was probably, there's so many moments though, but that definitely was, 
it was a series of those kind of moments where you just you just really did have to pinch yourself and think, is this really is this really going on? Yeah, amazing. Well, that that's brings me to the end of all my questions. But thank you so much for giving yeah, me thank time you. Today. Really yeah, as you can see, I love uh, I love talking about um, this movie. It was it was really a singular experience in my life, and uh, and just so much fun, just yeah. so much fun. So yeah, I, I was I was excited when uh, when they said you wanted to have a chat. Amazing! And I get to enjoy Sydney and all of its thirty degree glory. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's boiling in here right now. I don't know if you can tell, but very I'm much. You know. I'm absolutely freezing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man, I said, I'm really sorry that you guys are all going through it. I, I, I have such a, a warm um, affinity with, with that country that you're in and, and uh, that part of the world. I just, I love it. It's given me so much and my heart breaks for it. So I feel for you. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Everything's with this new vaccine rollout. It's all going to be a bit better than it has been last year. And it can probably end with an Ashes victory for England. So fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. I can keep in the Ashes. I'll probably get killed saying that, but... Um, yeah, I've always enjoyed the uh, English cricket team. Awesome. Oh, great. Well, I will catch you later, but thank you again so much for giving me All right, me Jack. Time. Thanks, Take brother. Care.